NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? NBA this is Jim Malik. You're listening to Pot of Fame, a podcast where we break down former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we are talking about former linebacker Sam Mills and whether or not he should get into the Football Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a second to talk about Sam Mills' career is Hall of Fame voter and writer at Panthers.com, Darren Gant. But before we bring Darren on, a few things about Sam Mills. And I'm actually, this is going to be more than a few things today. I want to talk about Sam Mills a bit here uh, because Sam Mills is a player who I'm not going to lie, I didn't know everything about. Um, I, I remembered him very distinctly on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but I, I didn't know as much about his earlier career and definitely not his success in the USFL. So I need to talk about that a little bit too. But Sam Mills is the definition of an underdog. Uh, he's five foot nine. That, he was five foot nine. That, that's the first things first, right? And we're going to talk about that a bit. He's five nine, two twenty nine. So he was going to be inside linebacker at five nine, two twenty nine. Um, already odds stacked against him. Coming out of high school, uh, no no offers or anything like that. He goes to a D3 school, Montclair State College. He goes there to walk onto the football team. So he's a walk-on D3 player. Think of your friends you went to high school with or acquaintances in high school. Think of the guys that went to go play D3 football. Okay. You got them in your head? Okay. Now think of them walking onto that team. Now think of how high caliber of an athlete they, they were. Okay. So he's, he's walking on to a D3, not saying at all F- Mills here is, is, is anything like those guys. It's just that's, that's the caliber. He's walking onto a D3 school because of his size. No one thought he could play because of his size. He goes to Montclair State College, dominates, right? Wins every award you could win there. Sets every, all these records, there are still records today, probably will be forever. But he's 5'9". No, no, one, no one wants him in the NFL. He... Goes to a training camp and uh, for the Cleveland Browns, they cut him. Classic Browns, right? Then tries to hook on with a Canadian league team, CFL league team. Gets cut from the Canadian league. So now Sam Mills goes to New Jersey to teach high school photography and uh, a woodshop class. That's, that's, what, that's what Sam Mills is doing after college. He's teaching photography in Woodshop in New Jersey. But then the USFL comes along and he, he, he gets in and there. And I, and I believe he had to be like, someone had to like really vouch for him. He really had to beg to be there. Um, kind of like anyone that watched Friday Night Lights, the, the TV show, not the, uh, not the movie TV show, when Smash, you know, gets hurt senior year and he... You know, all of his college offers go away and he coach the coach goes and he goes to like, I think A&M or some school there pretend to be A&M, Texas A&M. And he kind of like begs the coach to let smash play. Just let this guy play. If you see him, you have a star. The coach, like like the coach is like, whatever, like I'll do you a favor. And then smash goes out there and dominates. And he's like setting records at A&M and he's a star, probably goes to NFL, all that stuff. That's kind of that's kind of what it was here for for Sam Mills. Gets the USFL and just dominates. USFL is not long for a long time. He plays there for three years, I believe. The only three years the league existed. 
He wins two championships there for the Philadelphia slash Baltimore Stars as part of a dog, uh, a defense they call the Doghouse Defense. Excellent. Okay. So he's a two-time USFL champion, and he's a three-time All-USFL player, and he's part of the all-time USFL team. Again, three years, but still. And he's described really as, as the best defensive player in the history of the league. Even, even, and this league included Reggie White for a season. Um, and there's some stars in the USFL. I mean, we joke about it, but you know, there's the, the Herschel Walkers of the world. Steve Young played there. Jim Kelly played there. There, there are some big-time players in the USFL, and, and he was one of the best players in the league. So he does that. Then he finally dominates that league enough where even at five foot nine, the NFL is like, yes, you, you can be there. So he goes to the Saints, becomes a part of the Dome Patrol there, one of the best linebacking cores of all time. You know, I'm going to argue that maybe the, the 80s Bears had a better linebacking core. Uh, I could argue that the Giants and the 80s, got the 80s, great linebacker decade, right? The Giants with Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, Carl Banks, Gary Reasons, that might have been the best linebacking core. But the Dome Patrol in, in New Orleans um, included Ricky Jackson, who's in the Hall of Fame, Sam Mills, um, Von Johnson, and Pat Swilling. All those guys made at least four Pro Bowls um, while, while they were in New Orleans. And in 92, they all four of them made the Pro Bowl together. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. I mean, from start to finish, it's probably the best collection. Now there's not, you know, a single Terry or a Lawrence Taylor on any of these, but all these guys are pro bowl caliber players. All of them honestly could have an argument for the hall of fame. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's part of that group and he dominates in new Orleans, gets them to four playoffs. They never, um, really gotten to before, uh, before he got there. And then he goes to Carolina at the end of the career where he makes his first and only all pro team at the age, um, of 37 or yeah, 37, 96. So I believe that's the oldest player to make their first all pro team. And he did that in 96, the age of 37. So pretty impressive career to say the least and a true underdog, uh, for his career, 1265 tackles, 20.5 sacks, 22 forced fumbles, 11 interceptions. He led his team in tackles 10 seasons. Eight of those seasons, he had over 100 tackles. Uh, he played in six playoff games total, uh, four for New Orleans, two for Carolina. Uh, the first two for Car in Carolina history as well. He did two picks in two games in the 96 playoffs with Carolina. And then part of that underdog story before, you know, he didn't get to the NFL until 1986 at the age of 27. Yeah, he was still be able, he was able to put together this pretty impressive career. So we're going to go through Darren and I, Sam Mills's career. We're going to touch on all these different stints he made, stops he made along the way, um, and, and again discuss whether or not he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He is something I, someone I've taken a major uh, interest in since you know I, I first learned about him a few years ago when he started to get Hall of Fame buzz. Again, I can't really remember him playing. Um, he, in the tail end of his career was Carolina. I remember him in that Jersey, but the dome patrol years were, were way before my time. Uh, but yeah, I, I can watch as much film as I want. I can talk to as many people as I want. Uh, but, but really I encourage those of you who do not know Sam Mills' story. Uh, I believe there's a, a documentary on NFL network. That's really great about Sam Mills. I encourage you all to kind of check out. Um, and then of course, 
listen to Darren I's conversation and then YouTube yourself afterward or read up on Sam Mills yourself. Uh, regardless of what we decide at the end here, whether Sam Mills is a Hall of Famer or not, he had an extremely impressive career, ended up in both the New Orleans Saints and Carolina Panthers Hall of Fames and has a statue in front of the Carolina Panthers stadium. So uh, with, with that, uh, again, a little more in depth than I usually do, but Sam Mills really struck a chord with me in terms of his career, how unique it was. And I just want to make sure everyone kind of had the general facts about uh, his career because Darren and I will jump around a bit and some context was probably going to be a little helpful for those of you, especially those that um, aren't that familiar with Sam Mills's career. Uh, but he is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Darren and I recorded this on January 12th, and the Hall of Fame voting will be taking place very shortly. Um, so, again, thank you for joining today. Uh, let's bring on Darren. All right. So, I'd like to welcome Hall of Fame voter and writer for Panthers.com, Darren Gant, to the podcast today. Darren, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I am doing well. So, of course, today's topic is Sam Mills and his Hall of Fame candidacy. Now, Sam Mills is a finalist for the second time in a row now. And, and this is, you know, he's on his 18th year of eligibility. So it's been a while for him to get to this finalist yeah. role. But he is a finalist as of today. It's January 12th. The Hall of Fame voting, which, you know, Darren takes a part of, will be a week early this year um, due to COVID. And Darren, it'll be over Zoom, correct? Yeah, we're going to have a Zoom meeting next Tuesday, actually, the 19th. It's going to be a process unlike any other. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, we, I think everybody's been through a lot of Zoom interviews and press conferences and stuff like that. But imagining 48 Hall of Fame voters, uh, you know, and sometimes I'm one of the young ones. So it, uh, I, I anticipate some folks maybe struggling with the mute button early on, uh, but we'll, we'll get there. It'll be all right. I'm looking forward to it. It's always such a... You know, and I know you've talked to voters in the past. It's such a robust conversation. It, it's the process something this uh, important deserves, honestly. And and I think debating these guys and talking about the merits as you try to weigh, you know, guys who burn brightly for a short amount of time versus guys with long careers of sustained excellence. I mean, it's it's the it, it really is. It's the process these guys deserve for an honor of this magnitude. Oh, most definitely. And yeah, all the voters I've talked to so far, they're very interested to see how the, the Zoom go. The, I know the ones presenting someone, they're a little worried about how the presentations are going to go compared to when you're all in the room. They think that really matters and it could hurt some people. Um, but, but it, you know, we have to do what we have to do this year. Yeah. Hopefully this is the only year. Um, and then moving forward, you're back in that room. But, you know, I'm getting thinking about leaving the tree up just to create a <laughs> festive atmosphere for this. I love that. I love that. Keep it up. I, ours is up too here, but I think it's coming down this weekend. Um, so, so Darren, let's get into Sam Mills here. Yeah. So when we're, we're talking about Sam Mills, who of course played linebacker in the USFL, he played for the New Orleans Saints for a while, and then for the Carolina Panthers, which you cover. Um, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Sam Mills? Sam Mills was just a foundational piece wherever he went. He was the thing everything was built around, whether it was in the USFL in Philadelphia, whether it was in New Orleans, whether it was in Carolina. I mean, uh, again, having been there and watched that expansion process from 95 on, none of that happens without 
Sam Mills. He was one of the first free agents Bill Pullian goes out to, to buy in 1995 when he wanted to create something out of whole cloth. And I think it's instructive that a guy of Pullian's caliber, you know, a guy of his qualifications, when he was looking around, what do we want to build? What do we want a franchise to look like? Sam was one of those first guys he identified. It, it, it was important for them um, to create that kind of identity when you're building something from scratch. What do you want? You want somebody who didn't have an easy path. You want somebody accustomed to the work. You wanted somebody who had to prove himself at every step along the way. And, you know, again, we saw late career Sam a as a player, but Sam was still an excellent player. I mean, uh, the thing about him is, you know, from a football standpoint, he, he was a smaller guy. I mean, Sam's stature was one of the first things anybody recognizes about him. But, but Sam was built to play football. I mean, we talk about low man wins. It was easy for Sam to be low man at 5'9 at or 5'10. And, and leverage was something he could do. But he was also stout enough to stuff it in there and, and take on 300-pound guards head on and win more often than not. So I, I just think he was the kind of bedrock player that good franchises need. And, and he was that kind of player in New Orleans as well. I mean, long before he came to Charlotte, he was the guy in the middle of that Dome Patrol defense that was so outstanding, that was so, you know, that carried teams for so many years. And, and he just did that through his years here. And, you know, I, I think beyond that, beyond his playing days, when, when Sam transitioned into coaching, was part of the staff here when, you know, they went to the Super Bowl after the 2003 season, his battle with cancer became well known. And, and, and Sam's rallying cry through that fight, that keep pounding, it's literally on the walls of the stadium everywhere you go. You can't get away from Sam Mills anywhere in that building. And, and I think, honestly, that's as it should be. I mean, if you're trying to inspire football players i can't imagine a better role model than sam mills yeah and you know the the thing that fascinates me most about sam mills is he played in carolina only three years right i know he coached right. after his career was over but three years in carolina from age 36 to 38 if you ask anyone else that follows football you know would a linebacker at the end of his career plays from 36 38 for your team is he going to be as beloved and as remembered? I mean, at that point of people's careers, they're usually, you know, either retired. I mean, look at someone like Patrick Wills, who was on the ballot this year, or how early he retired. Right. Sam Mills made an all-pro team um, for Carolina 96 yeah. to the age of 37 years old. Darren, I got to ask you before we kind of move on to our next segment here. Sam Mills, he's a statue, you know, in front of, yep. in front of your stadium in, in Carolina. Why, why is he so – I mean – why is he so beloved there after only three years? I mean, I almost associate him just as much with the Panthers as I do with New Orleans, even though he was in New Orleans three times right. longer than in Carolina. I think because this was a new market, people were trying to learn what the NFL was all about, trying to learn what professional football was supposed to look like. And I keep coming back to it's supposed to look like Sam Mills. You're supposed, I mean, that I walk by that statue every day on my way into the office and, you know, it just, that's who he was. I mean, the statue makes him look bigger than he actually was. Sam was very much a human being, he, but he had, you know, he had the stuff you wanted football players to be. Uh, I had a conversation about a month or so ago with Kevin Green about a week and a half before he passed far too soon. And we were talking, Kevin loved, Kevin loved talking ball. 
Kevin Love talking about the Hall of Fame, talking about old teammates, stuff like that. And we got to talking about Sam in this process of going through the hall. And, and Kevin flat out said, he said, I always prided myself on being a hard worker, always prided myself on being a professional, knowing. And this is Kevin Green, a guy who was a walk on at Auburn and became, yeah. you know, one of the great pass rushers of all time. He knows about the struggle. He said, I thought I knew what work was like. I got to Carolina and learned what it looked like from Sam Mills. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the testament to what he was all about. And, and again, it's, I almost, this sounds ridiculous to say, his, his cancer battle became the thing people talk about in Carolina. And it, in, and it incredibly undersells what a great football player Sam Mills actually was. He was making plays, like you said, in the 36, 37, 38-year-old season, he's still making game-changing plays. Their very first win as a franchise was Sam Mills intercepting a Bubby Brister shovel pass against yep. the Jets and returning it for a touchdown. I mean, it, it wasn't an old guy play, and, and yet he was out there making them. Yeah, and, and that's a perfect segue into our next uh, segment here. We call this That Memorable Moment. <laughs> And what we try to do, Darren, is, and again, it's hard for players of Sam's caliber, and, and honestly, anybody up for consideration Hall of Fame usually is a couple of these, but we try to think of, you know, what was the defining moment of a player's career? So it could be a specific play, a game, a playoff series, or even an entire season. Yeah. For Sam Mills, if you had a defining moment of his career, defining play, anything like that, what, what would you say it would be? Because you just brought up one I have written down right now. I have, I have that... Um, the Bobby Brewster play. So, yeah, I mean, again, when you when you're responsible for the first win in a franchise history, again, that speaks to that foundational quality that I, I saw in Sam every day when he was here. But I think back to that entire 96 season. And if you remember, you know, it's an expansion team in 95, bringing in a lot of free agents. It was a fairly old team. And 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 Kevin also talked about this. He said at first you know, and Dom Capers has talked about this a lot, that first training camp practice in 96, if you remember, they went out pretty aggressively in free agency and they went seven and nine as an expansion team. So they raised expectations. They spend aggressively in free agents, go out and get it. Cornerback Eric Davis from San Francisco, go out and sign Kevin Green uh, to become that edge rusher that they needed on the other side of Sam. And Sam pulled those guys together on the first practice of training camp and said, okay, guys, here's what the expectations are. Here's what we're going to be all about. We're going to be the thing that carries this team. And to go from a second-year expansion team, you go 12-4, and four, win a division, go to the NFC championship game. It was unheard of. I mean, nobody expected that, but Sam kind of was the guy who stitched all that together. You know, he had to look Eric Davis in the eye and say, okay, we're over here now. You try You're trying to keep Kevin Green and Lamar Lathan on the same page. And those are two big personalities at those positions and big impact players. So Sam was the guy that kept everybody on the same page, kept everybody focused and really lifted those guys into the kind of team that, you know, was able to do what they did in year two. Yeah, and it is – it's really impressive when you look at an expansion team like that coming in second year, making all the way to MC Championship. And as you said, you know, he led them to their first win in playoff history in 97. It was actually against the Cowboys, who back in the early – or mid-90s, I mean, it's hard to believe now how big of a disaster they are. But 
they were the team back then. I mean, sure. I think they had three Super Bowls at that point in the decade already. The Panthers are a second year team and they beat right. them 26 17. And, you know, Mills plays an excellent game per usual 11 tackles, has a pick at the end of the game that seals it, almost scores a touchdown there. I think it gets stopped at like the one yard line, but I think that's something that will probably always live in Panthers history because it's yeah. the first win in your history. And, and sort of ended the Cowboys run there. I mean, mm -hmm. that was late stage Barry Switzer and, and Switzer was a lot, having a lot of fun going into that game. Like, where is Charlotte? Where are we going? Where, you know, Sam and those guys made sure they knew after that game for sure. Yeah. Um, so moving on to our final mini segment before we get to the case for case against uh, Darren, we call this and twins. And what we try to do is we try to compare Sam Mills or whoever we're talking about to someone who's already in the Hall of Fame. So out of the players in the Hall of Fame today, who best reminds you of Sam Mills, either by how he played or, you know, his performance in terms of numbers? Who, who best reminds you of Sam Mills? You know, I, I think of Sam kind of in the same breath as a guy like Mike Singletary, honestly. I mean, I, I believe that Sam deserves to be considered with those great inside linebackers. He is, you know, Singletary was bigger. Uh, Singletary was stouter. Singletary was generally surrounded by a better grade of teammates and, you know, led, you know, one of those great NFL defenses of all time. But I, I think of Sam along those lines simply because it takes something to be able to direct traffic in, in the middle of that kind of group. And I think, honestly, Sam was that kind of leader, too. I, I think had his life not been cut too short. I think Sam had an incredible future as a coach because he was able to reach guys. He was able to, he was able to speak to guys uh, on a different level. I mean, coaches would talk to guys, but Sam would pull young players aside and, and instruct and mentor and sort of shepherd guys along the whole way. And, and constantly was thinking about the, the greater, uh, the greater good of a defense. And, and that's the quality he was able to share. Yeah, I, I had Singletary down too, actually. You know, Singletary compared to a lot of inside linebackers in history, you know, he he was definitely bigger than Sam. I think most people are. Um, they were all he, bigger than but, Sam. But, but but he was only he was only six foot, right? Singletary. Yeah. And I'm a I'm from Chicago, so obviously he's someone we talk about to this day. And it's just that, you know, the the general of, of the defense, um, the leader, the heart, the tenacity that's all things that describe Sam Mills I mean sure. pe people anyone that played with him if you look at through any interviews you talk to any of the teammates it's the heart he had the you know the teammate everyone looks up to right. he's the heartbeat of, of the team and a single Terry uh, even a Ray Lewis type guy like those are the type that's the type of leader he was for the defense for both in New Orleans both in Carolina and then of course earlier in his career when he was uh, here in college and even in the short-lived Right. Um, USFL. So, you know, and, and you having been in Chicago, you know about linebacker lineage. Ew. You you know what it means to be a Chicago middle linebacker. Sam kind of created a mini version of that here. I mean, if you think about it, you go from Sam Mills to Michael Barrow to Dan Morgan, John Beeson, Luke Keekley. I mean, bad. <laughs> other than Chicago, there aren't very many cities in the NFL that can line up middle linebacker talent like that. And, and Sam had a real role in that. I mean, Sam was important in Dan Morgan's development. He was, you know, he was right there alongside when Barrow comes, uh, comes into town. So, you know, Sam had an impact here for a, lot, for a long time, for sure. Yeah. So, so Darren, get into our kind of case for case against segment here. We call this court. 
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Yeah. Uh, we really try to talk about both sides of the story because obviously, you know, Sam Mills was not a shoe-in first ballot Hall of Famer, sure. so there's obviously a case against him. But I want to kind of stick to the, the case for him first. And I have right. a few questions here for you, but the first one really being is, you know, when you're in that room and, and the presentation for Sam Mills, you know, is, is kicking off where you're talking about his career. And, and I believe... Um, Will you present like the Carolina portion of his career or sure, will sure. We, yep. we split it up? I mean, okay. Paul Domowicz from Philly talks about the USFL days. Okay. Jeff Duncan down in New Orleans goes over the Saints and then I'll kind of come in, too. And and I think it's interesting. There have been guys in the past who have suffered for being in too many places. You know, he wasn't a guy who was just the flag bearer for one organization his whole career. And, and I think that's becoming more and more common, honestly, anymore, especially with modern players. But, um, you know, it's it's an easy case to make. And there's a level of passion. I, I think people who've seen Sam up close recognize it. I always flash back when I'm thinking about this stuff and it's easy for me and I feel like an evangelist sometimes. I could jump up on the table and talk Sam Mills all day long. Try me. We could really do this and blow out the, the guardrails of this podcast. But I, I go back to the conversation I had with Jim Mora and we were talking and he was, you know, talking about how stout Sam was at the point of attack, how he would go up against guards in practice, knock them back off the ball and just be the kind of football guy. And, and Jim just sort of stopped in the middle of the conversation. And he said, Darren, Sam Mills, the greatest player I've ever coached. And I kind of let it hang there for a second. I said, Jim, you coach Peyton Manning. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, I know people think that sounds ridiculous, but I equate those guys. He said, they're the same level of player in terms of preparation, work ethic, the kind of guy you want people to be in the locker room, the, the leader you want on one side of the ball. And he said, all the stuff Peyton did for an offense, Sam does on the other side of the ball. And, you know, when we discuss Peyton Manning next week, it's going to be a really short discussion. It's going to be, <laughs> hey, everybody, Peyton Manning. And we're all going to be like, yeah, that's good. Let's go. Let's keep this thing rolling. But uh, Sam will be a longer conversation. But it's instructed to me that Jim Mora, a guy who coached them both, saw them as – kind of equivalence in that yeah and, and is that like in your opening kind of talking about Samuel is that something you always make sure to bring up because I, I guess the one thing when I'm talking to voters what seems to get lost is there is like the eye test where you saw him play you talk to the people that played with him against him they say one thing but then at the end of the day you look at maybe the accolades they got the pro bowls the all pros you look at statistics like what weighs more to you in the room? And then in the whole, what, what would you say most voters? Are they looking at stats more? Are they talking to people, hearing more of firsthand knowledge? Like what weighs the most in the room there, at least for you? It's, it's hard. And it's always, I tell people, it's a, it's a blend of art and science. You know, people have asked me, you know, like with receivers, how do you balance somebody who had a long career on a great offense like Torrey Holt versus Calvin Johnson? I mean, yep. it, who burned brightly on a bad team for a short amount of time. And it and it's hard. I mean, Kevin Green stacked up over a long career, third most sacks in NFL history. 
Trail Davis does it in a very brief amount of time. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do this. And it's hard when you're trying to weigh, you know, guys with counting stats, offensive skill position players. They're easy to stack up and say he had this many catches, this many yards. It's a little bit harder with with defensive guys in particular, especially if you're not an edge rusher and you can't stack up sacks and say, this was my impact on the game. Because listen, tackles can be a misleading stat. Guys with too many tackles were on defenses that couldn't get off the field. And they had three extra you know, downs each series because they couldn't get off the field. So it's kind of hard comparing guys without those sort of tangible markers. But, yeah, I look at Sam as a guy who transcended that. He made all the defenses he was on better. And the big knock on Sam or one of the knocks on Sam is he was never on a championship team. I don't necessarily think it's Sam Mills's fault that the quarterbacks he was playing with were guys like Bobby A. Bear and Kerry Collins and Steve Berline. I mean, that's that's not the reason. Sam Mills wasn't the reason those teams didn't win Super Bowls. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of an art and a science when you're blending some of those things together. But I, I've always viewed Sam as a guy who lifted the people around him to a different level. With the, with the whole quarterback thing, I just had a Rex Grossman, Brian Urlacher flashback. And uh, now, I'm pr- now I'm pretty upset here. But no, you're, exact, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, on a football team, a middle linebacker cannot, you know, he, he can make a big impact, but he can't change the outcome of a game as much as a quarterback or even in other sports like a, a point guard can make in the NBA. But when, when it comes to winning, I mean, he was a winner. He, the Saints had never been in the playoffs until he got there. He took them the first. Same with Carolina. Took them there. And then I want, this kind of leads me to what, what I want to ask you here. You brought it up a little earlier. You do, you do say that someone from Philadelphia will bring up the USFL career of Sam Mills and yeah. – Honestly, when you're talking about the USFL, he won two championships in the three years he was there, three all USFL teams. And Jeff Perlman, who wrote uh, the book on uh, a book on the USFL that came out recently, uh, I think it's called like Football for a Buck. He ranked Sam Mills as the number one USFL player in the history of the league ahead of Herschel Walker, Reggie White, Jim Kelly. Yeah. So, so he was obviously, if not the best, one of the best players in that league, but I mean, Darren, does that I, – I, I don't have these conversations too much about the USFL. Like, does that actually – does that matter to voters? Do they actually take that in consideration? I hope it does because it's not the NFL Hall of Fame. It's the Pro yeah. Football Hall of Fame, and I, and I think you've got to consider. I mean, when Warren Moon comes up, I, I don't think you disqualify what he did in Canada. And I think, Sam, by the same uh, regard, you've got to consider what he did in Philadelphia because, you know, again – This is what I keep coming back to with Sam. He was a builder. He helped build a league. He helped build one of the great defenses in New Orleans at a place where they had never won anything. And he helped literally build a franchise in Carolina. And so I just think Sam's kind of one of those bedrock guys in the sport and really the kind of person. You know, Dave Baker, the Hall president, likes to talk about the qualities you know, that they're honoring excellence and that they're honoring the qualities you want to see in people. That's what Sam did. I mean, Sam was that guy. Sam was the role model. Sam was the person who did it the right way, the same way every day. And and that's what football values. And, it, and I think that's what stood out to me about watching Sam over the years. Yeah. So, so as I said earlier, this is his 18th year of eligibility. Obviously he's just becoming a finalist now, 
So obviously it's kind of a case against him. When, when you're in the room there, Darren, like what in that discussion, what's brought up where people are just like, I, I can't vote for this guy. This is why. What, what are those main reasons that get brought up of why maybe Sam Mills, they wouldn't vote for him to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I, I do think championships matter. And not being able to put a Super Bowl ring on that line of the resume is one of the things that is a little bit of a ding on his career uh, that I think people tend to look at. Because, again, you're trying to you're trying to balance stats versus team accomplishments versus, you know, what he did individually versus that vague impact thing. And, you know, one of the it's almost a cliche, but you hear it a lot in the room that you can't write the history of football without so-and-so. And, you know, obviously you can't write the history of football without Peyton Manning. Uh, I don't think you can write it without, you know, certain guys. I mean, that comes up a lot. But I, I just think in terms of the story of the game, somebody who came from where Sam came from, achieved what he achieved, and helped three teams do things that hadn't been done sort of speaks to that quality. I mean, Sam, I keep coming back to this, and you're probably tired of hearing say it, hear me say it, but he was a foundation piece. He was what things were built around, and I think he just embodies what the Hall is looking for. Yeah, and, and kind of around that too, you know, when, it, when you look at the Hall of Fame, it's interesting when you look at, you know, what positions are more well represented than others, and when you look at inside linebacker, the, the thing I think – probably hurts Sam the most here is, is there's really only 11 inside linebackers in the hall of fame today. And unfortunately the bar is extremely high for that inside linebacker position. I mean, the average, if you average out their credentials, it's two championships, five, all pros, eight pro bowls for those middle. I mean, it's, it's the, it's some of the best of all time, right? It's, it's, it's the Ray Lewis's, the Jack Lambert's, um, it, it's the names everyone knows, the Bill Georges, the Mike Singletary's. Right. And when it comes to Sam Mills, I mean, again, five Pro Bowls, one all pro, nothing to laugh about, but it doesn't get near there. And when you look at someone else who's like um, in the finalist list this year, Zach Thomas, right? right. Seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time all pro. He's been waiting 13 years. Um, like, do, does Zach Thomas in the meeting, will he get kind of matched up against – Sam Mills, or were they match up these, you know, past linebackers, the Joe Schmitz of the world against Sam Mills? How does that all work? Do they do they do that a bit? That I, I think there's a bit of sifting that goes on at every position. I mean, when we were stuck in a log jam on receivers a couple of years ago, there was a natural order. I think that once the first guy goes through, then there's a, a cascade of them the next couple of years because it's hard to break some of those ties. And it certainly feels like I don't necessarily go along with that I don't concede the point but having Zach Thomas in there right now you know there's a perception that he would be in line in front of Sam I don't know that I would necessarily go along with that but you know reasonable minds can disagree and it's always great discussions the problem is we're going to be talking about 15 guys we get to vote for five and it's impossible. Everybody, when that committee finishes its work, it's a an, it's an day-long committee meeting and discussion, and it's exhausting. And it's, at the same time, kind of inspiring because this is, you know, you're trying to decide between excellent players and everybody, when that meeting's over, everybody always says, well, my guy didn't get in. Well, how can you leave so-and-so out? And I always say, 
Don't tell me which one you want in. Tell me which 10 you want out. And that's, you know, that's what makes this process so difficult is we're sitting here arguing the cases of 15 guys and at least 13 or 14 of them probably deserve to be in the Hall of Fame yeah. right now. Yeah. No, I, so it, it's tough. No, no, I talk to voters for, you know, we cover basketball, baseball and this. And for those sports, it's, it's a little easier. Not as many positions. Football to me is the most difficult just because you can't statistics don't line up against each right. other. Um, it, it is the most, I think, um, unique voting process. And in just in general, how you rank, you know, positions over others. And I was talking to someone the other day, you know, before he got cut from the, the semifinalist list, talking about Steve Tasker. How the hell are you supposed to compare him to anyone else, you know, who's up against him? So um, it's, yeah, and super- it's tricky. And I have sympathies towards Steve Tasker because I think if you were, if you were that guy, if you were a signature player yeah. at one thing, it's almost like the Morton Anderson thing. He was the kicker, yep. you know, how do you not have the, the kicker? And Steve Tasker is the special teamer of all time. I don't know. I'm hoping at some point he we get a chance to talk about Steve because, you know, he, he did change, a, a you know, his little corner of the world. He changed it. Yeah, and for those listening, we do have a Steve Tasker episode up if you want to listen to the full thing. But um, final verdict here uh, for Sam Mills. I usually ask two questions here at the end, Darren. One you know, would you vote him in, which I obviously have heard from your, your <laughs> answers here, you would, but in, in the yeah. second question more is, do, do you think Sam Mills will actually ever get into the Hall of Fame? I, I hope so. I, I hope so. I think he's deserving. I, I think you kind of look at these guys, you know, and again, it's tricky when I, when I look down the list of guys who haven't been able to get through to the top 10, to the top five in the last couple of years. When you look at this list of 15, you know, Tony Baselli has been on the outside looking in. Is Tony Baselli a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. And, and I kind of look at Sam the same way. I don't know what the timing would be, and I don't know if it's this year or another year in the future, but so many of those guys on that list, you look at them and say, yeah, that's a Hall of Famer. But I, I hope Sam gets in the Hall. I hope – people are able to look beyond the lack of championships, um, be able to look at some of the cast of characters he was out there playing with and, and just what he was able to build in so many places. And, and I hope they recognize that, you know, when, again, Dave Baker talks about these qualities where we're honoring excellence. Sam Mills was excellent at football. Sam Mills was excellent at life. If that's not a hall of famer, I, I'm not certain who is. Yeah. All right. Well, Darren, thank you very much for taking yep. the time and, um, you know, good luck in the, in the zoom voting and in a few, in, I guess a week. Yeah. Um, I hope everything goes smoothly. Uh, what could possibly go wrong, Jim? All right, Darren, take care. Leave that Christmas tree up. I think that'll be good for the, All right. uh, the morale that, that's of the room. always the tradition until the Super Bowl, it stays up just because I don't get to it until then. So very good. All right. Well, take care. You got it. Thanks, Jim. All right. So I want to thank Darren again for coming on. Really enjoyed that conversation about Sam Mills. Um, before we go, I, as you just heard, I obviously wasn't able uh, to make the final verdict there at the end. Uh, we only had Darren for about 30 minutes. And even with me trying to, even with me trying to cut back on some of the stuff I, I want to talk about, there just wasn't enough time. And I, I wanted to get his thoughts as much as possible while we had him. So, so now for my final verdict. Um, 
for Sam Mills. I, I struggled with this one quite a bit. Uh, I, I went back and forth for, for days, honestly, uh, leading up to this podcast today. And I was hoping uh, talking to Darren could provide a little clarity there. And when it comes down to it, uh, my final verdict is, you know, do I think Sam Mills should be in the Hall of Fame? My final verdict is I, I don't think he should be in. It's, it's nothing against him as a player. Uh, again, Dar- Darren just went through it. He, anyone that played with him, anywhere he went, they loved him. They thought he was one of the best players in the league. And I do take a lot of stock in what the players in the league are saying. They're the ones going up against him every time. And then when a coach like Jim Mora, as, as Darren mentioned, says that he's the best player he's ever coached when he's coached a bunch of people that are in the Hall of Famer will be Hall of Famers. Outside of Sam, it, 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 that means a lot. That's something. He's not just saying that to say that. Um, that means something coming from a coach that's been in the league for you know, a long time and has coached a lot of players. So I do take that into stock, but what I get hung up on, what I really get hung up on is is what I had just been talking about Darren in the case against. And that's just the, the hall of famers that played his position inside linebacker today. As I said, there's only 11 of them in the hall of fame today, very small number. And, and again, these are, these are some of the best players of all time. They're great. Like, Ray Lewis, Mike Singletary, Jack Lambert, Dick Buckkiss, you know, Brian Urlacher. These are names that even the casual football player has heard or football fan has heard of and, and, and just knows that, yeah, that person should be in the Hall of Fame. It's not a, there's no discussion there. They really haven't let too many like borderline people in, let's say. I mean, like, let's put it this way the worst. Inside linebacker in the Hall of Fame today is Harry Carson, who played for the Giants in the 80s. He won a Super Bowl, which, you know, Darren just said how important that was. And he made nine Pro Bowls, okay? So so that's the worst inside linebacker in the Hall of Fame today. If, if Sam Mills were to get in, I think that bar would be set lower. And, you know, maybe it should be lower, but as it sits today, I just... With some of the middle linebackers that have not been put in the Hall of Fame today, uh, dude, probably to that high bar, I, I just I can't see him having deserving a place there over some of these other players. And then, you know, Darren and I were talking about how much time does he have left, and will he get in before you can only vote for five? It's tough. You know, I, I'm looking at the line of inside linebackers kind of coming up. I mean, you know, Zach Thomas is on the ballot right now or on the list of finalists right now. Um, who I think was a better player. Patrick Willis just got in the kind of the ballot a few years ago, and, and he made five all pros, seven Pro Bowls. I, I think he's a better player. Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis' teammate, will soon get on the ballot. He was a four-time all pro. And, and then eventually Bobby Wagner, you know, for Seattle, he's still playing at a high level, but eventually he's going to retire. And then he'll be coming up. In, I just, it seems like they're only letting in you know, inside linebacker every once in a while, the elite of the elite. And I just don't know if Sam Mills is a five-time Pro Bowl or one-time All-Pro. I don't I don't think he deserves it in terms of the stance the Hall's taking today when it comes to middle or inside linebackers. I keep saying middle linebackers, inside linebackers. It's a three-four, it's inside. So so that's that's kind of my take on why he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, why I would say no. And then in terms of why do I think he'll ever get in? 
that's a, that's also a no. I just I look at the backlog of inside linebackers um, that that haven't got in right uh, over time, and you know if if Sam Mills were to get in, I think they got to let five or six other guys before him in, um, which would take I mean maybe maybe in like 150 years they look back, but. I just don't see him ever getting the hall. I think he is just there at the threshold of like, if you're better than Sam Mills, um, Hall of Famer. If you're if you're not, not. But I just don't see him ever getting in. And, you know, he's in the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. He's in the Carolina Panthers Hall of Fame. He has his number retired by the Carolina Panthers. Maybe he'll get his number retired by uh, the New Orleans Saints. He also, we didn't get to bring this up. I really wanted to kind of get Darren's thoughts on here, but you know, he has a statue in front of the Panther stadium, right? How many people with statues in front of their stadiums are not in their respective sports hall of fame? Like it has to be like Sam Mills might end up being the only one, like really think about it. I'm from Chicago, right? There's Michael, Michael Jordan statue in front of, uh, I guess now it's inside. It's weird. It used to be in front of the United Center, which is in Chicago. Now it's inside. But there's a statue of Michael Jordan. Okay, makes sense. There's a statue in front of Soldier Field of Walter Payton. Okay, that makes sense. Um, in front of Wrigley Field, Cubs, there's a statue of Ernie Banks. All just Hall of Famers. No one's going to argue with you about those people. Not, not even... There might not have ever been an argument that any of those players deserve being in the Hall of Fame. And they have statues. Sam Mills has a statue. Building a statue is kind of a big deal. And the fact that he has one in front of the Panther Stadium just shows how much he, he meant to that franchise. But even statues aside, I, ju- I just don't see him getting in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so <clears throat> that kind of wraps up today's podcast. Again, I want to thank Darren for coming on, talking Sam Mills with me. Uh, Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't already. Leave us a rating. Appreciate that. And we will talk to you next Monday. Yeah. And the world-